is the Film 7 Podcast. How are you all doing out there? This is the show that keeps you updated with the latest TV, movie news, talks on everything film. You know, so sit back and relax. My name is Andy, and as usual, I've got here with me, Jake. How's it going, Andy? Hello, everyone listening. I'm excited to be here. We've got a great show planned for everyone today, don't we, Andy? Yes, we do. We are talking comic book movies and the impacts they've had and, you know, just everything about comic book movies. Mm -hmm. We want to talk about those. Yeah, and we felt that this is such a big discussion to have that it's going to take the full length of the show. So we're not going to do any news this week, guys. Uh, We're going to go straight into the main topic of the week. Uh, But before we will catch up, Andy... What have you been watching this week? Yeah, just a couple of things on Netflix. Been another busy one, but um, <clears throat> there's this. Um, saw some things from the past, but there's this um, new. F- um, it's called um, "Running with the Devil." Yeah, you said uh, you told me you watched that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really nice. I liked it. It's got um, Lawrence Fishburne in it and um, Nicolas Cage. They were really amazing. It was, it's about drugs and drug cartel and you just see the entire how drugs make their way and it was just a really good film and it was really nice i i enjoyed that one so basically that and just catching up on also carbon because you know the new season is coming out so that's basically what i've been doing but not in not into major this this week yeah i'm similar boat as you i haven't really i haven't had the chance to go to the cinema to see anything new um again been catch, catching up with clone wars finally all caught up now ready for the new season to start there's something in clone wars especially like season five and season six that there's some stories that i was just gripped to the telly like when they start go re- when george is like really going deep into the lore of the force and stuff for like that you know remember the episodes where yoda goes traveling around searching about the wonders of the force and stuff it's some really deep stuff man mm-hmm. and i really hope they go a bit you know i want to see a bit more weird stuff like that in star wars go a bit more deep into the force and you know embrace the midichlorians you know in a way we don't get to see yeah it's true that yeah there were some episodes even the ones where we met the father the the yeah mortis arc yeah. yeah that that was all about the force and you know there's a lo- I, till now i don't fully get that episode but yeah star wars had that i'd love to know a lot more about yeah. it george had you know he had a vision to go really deep i mean if the rumors are true, like when if when he was originally signed on to do uh, the sequel trilogy, seven, eight, and nine, he wanted to go really, really deep into that, like really, fro- like you know, the midichlorians. Like he wanted to take it one step further and go really deep into that. So, yeah, I don't know if people would have appreciated that since what happened with the prequels, but we ne- we'll never know. I we'll guess. never know. It's one of those things. In hindsight, you'd be like, if that had happened, people would have been like, he should have done. Yeah, what hit? Yeah, yeah. You never but know. it is what it is. Mm. Um, also, been on Netflix, been uh, watching more Lock and Key. I'm really liking the show, Andy. Really, genuinely, really liking the show. It's got a, like I said, it's got a sort of Stranger uh, Things vibe to it, but it's a different kind of show. It's more focused on fantasy and magic than, you know, like um, science fiction. Mm. Uh, but it, there's some really good performances from the kids as well. Uh, and there's some really tense moments that are, it's shot like a horror movie as well at times. So I really like some of the choices of cinematography stuff. So they definitely recommend checking it out. Huh. Uh, it plays into uh, what we're going to be talking about as well because it's, you know, you'd watch this show and you think this is a cool magic show, but it's actually based on comic books. So, oh, yeah? Yeah, so there we go. Okay, then. So 
we're going to go straight into the main topic now, Andy. Mm. Like I said up top, no news because we've got a, a lot of ground to cover. So basically, we decided to kind of do this because uh, Bloodshot has just come out, indie comic book movie. Uh, and as we know, the last, what, 10 years, maybe more, have been dominated by comic book movies. So we thought it would be a good uh, sh shout to discuss sort of the history of the comic book movies and how they've made an impact into our culture. So we're going to start off with a bit of a tricky question because this is going to be different for everyone, really. And the question is, for you, ND, let's start with you. Yeah. For you, what makes a comic book movie? Right. So I think a comic book movie is a movie that started in the comic then made its way to the movies. So it can't be... So, for example, um, so, for example, 300, you know, it's, it's a popular comic book. People say it's a comic book film, but I don't consider that a comic book movie because the original... There was an original story that inspired the comic that inspired the film. So you can't really call it a comic book movie. But Superman, that is a comic book movie mm. because Superman is the comics it started from the com comics you know so things like watchmen you know lock and key these are comic book movies but things that are based on re you know s other materials things that were or originated from other sources can't be considered comic book movies mm -hmm. that's the way i see it okay yeah it's interesting because i see a different side to that so i think because i think it all depends on what pro and how the products sort of shown to the audience now i think for 300 for example uh yes the the original story is historical it's true events but what frank miller did was very loosely take that story and make it his own and then the film was a direct adaptation of what frank miller did not the historical event so that's why i consider the movie a comic book movie because it's come from it's been adapted from the comic book itself well, it's the thing is every if you if you say that then technically and technically every film is a comic book movie because as a director directors always have a storyboard and a storyboard is a comic of the film. So what a comic is is just a published storyboard, a very detailed published storyboard. So technically you could then say every film is a comic, but we know that's not the case. So it just depends on I think the source determines what you call it. It doesn't matter how, you know, even if it's something like um, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, if, if, even if um, 300 was shot just like Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse with the boxes, with the text, everything to me, it's still not a comic book movie because the story is, this original story is not a comic book story. It's an original story. So it okay. can't be. So, so yeah. yeah. So w would you say the same of like uh, Alan Moore's work uh, from Hell, where he does his own version of Jack the Ripper, hmm. and then they made that into a movie? Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't <laughs> yeah. So because so Alan Moore took piece of historical yes. actual events that happened and just twisted it and made it his own, which what I think is what Frank Miller did with Three Hundred. But Frank Miller stayed more to this original story the names were real the names are real yeah the, the events happened so the events actually happened that well, there was that clash you know there was a little small army that held the forces the invading forces 
for a little bit. So there was those things really happened. So, but Jack the Ripper is a myth. You know, it's just it's not. It's true. It, we, yeah, yeah, I mean, what a, I mean is we don't know literally anything about Jack. It's the still Ripper. a mystery. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We never caught. They never caught him. So um, anything you hear about Jack the Ripper is all. It's not really evidential it's just what somebody thinks so i think in that regard jack the ripper is a fantasy so that makes it kind of different okay but how different do you want to go but yeah, yeah. it's a tough one it's, but it I is a tough one so like i said up top everyone listening is going to have their own perspective on what they think is a comic book movie now i asked this question to a few other people and specifically about the movie 300 and like some people were like no it's not a comic book movie and other people were like Oh, yeah, it's definitely a comic book movie because it's very stylized, like it's from the comic. And then I've other, somebody else was like, well, it's a historical comic book movie. So yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> he, he found yeah. middle ground. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a historical. <laughs> yeah, I'm a democratic Republican or I'm a conservative labor. I'm a labor conservative yeah. or liberal Democrat. Yeah, I'm ambidextrous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm left and right. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, yeah, I mean, guys, if you have your opinion, send it over to us on Twitter or Instagram and we'll engage. We'll see what people think about what makes a comic book movie. So, comic book movies now, uh, obviously, they've been dominating the Hollywood for the last, I would say, 15 years now. Yeah, thereabouts, yeah. Uh, but really, they stem back to not long after the actual origination of the comics. So, I've got a, a sort of timeline here of... This is just my opinion as well of what I think are monumental moments in comic book, film, and TV history. One, and that could be because they changed the game in a certain way, they took a completely fresh approach, uh, they impacted society and the film industry in some way, uh, and which veered it forward. So I think these ones should be looked at. Um, obviously, it really started in the 40s. Pretty much as soon as the comics coming out, they had those black and white serials. But for me, I don't think it really took off into public mainstream until Batman, the TV series, uh, 1966 with Adam West. Into the first public consciousness. That show is funny because you watch it now and you laugh. And then, and it, in a way, it was meant to, it was satire. Do you know, it wasn't, they weren't taking this seriously at all. It was very campy. Uh, the adults watching this show could just laugh about it because this is absolutely ridiculous what's going on. But the funny thing is is that the kids took this for fact and they thought this was serious. Mm. They thought this was how Batman is. So it just that's why it was just blended between adults and children to make this huge impact. And then, you know, Batman after that point became a, you know, it became a household name, I think. It I was that. meant for children mm. uh, because at this time, you know, comic books at this time are still really considered for children. Uh, primarily uh, boys, not many girls at this point into the comic book scene. Uh, so not uh, not openly, not, open, not, not openly <laughs> anyway. Yeah, but even the thing is, even the actual comic book material was focused towards boys. Yes, uh, well, you know the whole big macho men, you know, taking on anything and you know getting the damsel in distress, that sort of thing. Um, so really, Batman sixty six was the first one, and then we didn't really get much after that. Uh, but Time Warner th thought this is probably going to be good. So in 1976, they purchased DC Comics, and today Warner Brothers still produce DC films and own all the DC material for, you know, uh, films, TV, animated shows, all that stuff. So, uh, and then two years after that, they released, which most people consider 
the godfather of superhero films, and that is Superman the movie with uh, Christopher Reeves, 1978. Uh, you will believe a man could fly. Yeah. That was the thing. Because at this point, the I mean, you watch it now and you think, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of dated. But at this point, these special effects were crazy. Like, people, it, you believed it. This guy could actually fly. And to everybody, to even to me now, he was Superman. Superman. Everybody else is trying to be him he was the original the anytime i think of superman it's his face he was the original superman and like i said that those films there were four i believe four of those yeah so there were four uh, they were really good some were better than others yeah but the well, first was the fourth one was <laughs> yeah yeah you know it was when they stay giving superman powers that were just when he got drunk at a bar remember that it's just <laughs> it was just get, but those first couple of ones they were really good and most of the powers I know Superman has now just come from the movies. Anything he didn't do in those movies, Superman can't do. And yeah, you're right. That that move that that was it. That was the first time. I didn't. I remember what. I don't know if I remember watching it, but seeing it as a kid, I didn't think I'd see another superhero film. You know, it, it was it, scarce then. Yeah, yeah, it was just like. It can only be Superman. Of course, it will be Superman. If somebody's going to have a superhero movie, of course, it's going to be Superman. And you didn't think there was going to be more of that. Yeah. So, yeah, that, I mean, that made a huge impact. Uh, like you said, had a really good sequel as well, Superman 2. But then it just got out of hand. With the third one and fourth one, I will openly admit, then not, not good movies. Warner Brother, uh, Richard Donner left. So that's why it just seemed like it fell into hands that didn't know what to do with Superman. That didn't get Superman. Uh, one final note as well is that, like you said, when you see, when you th say Superman, people think Christopher Reeves. Uh, but he perfectly embodies Superman from the comics. You know, when he's saying, I believe in truth, justice, and the American way, he means it. Do you know what I mean? There's nothing, yeah, it's kind of corny, but not for him. He means it. Uh, which is why some maybe some people have a problem with Henry Cavill's modern day Superman. But we'll, we'll get into that. So, uh, yeah, after a couple of sequels we didn't really get anything until of course in 1989 batman so followed closely after superman you got to get batman michael keaton as batman this is uh, before the internet even was thought of michael keaton cast as batman everyone was like ah what this guy's getting this beetlejuice is batman the guy from mr mom is batman do you know what i mean like angry letters being sent to warner brothers and all sorts but this one Superman did something different, but this one really took it to the mainstream, I thought. You know, there was I've seen videos of, like, during the marketing for this movie, the Batman logo was plastered everywhere. Mm. You could not escape that logo. You know you know the one, the gold yeah. and the, the black. Uh, this was the one, Kiss from a Rose? Was this the Kiss from a Rose one? No, that was the third one. The third one, okay. Yeah, but it was following, but this was the first one that really bought. Uh, and it completely changed people's perception of Batman. Because up until this point, when people, when you said Batman, you thought of the kooky yeah. Adam West show. Tim Burton brought a dark, gothic feel to Batman, which to this day, we kind of think, yeah, that's, that is Batman, is it not? That's true. Oh, oh, it all started there. That's where, well, it, it was started in the comics, because yeah, in well. the 80s as well, Frank Miller came on board, did Dark Knight Returns, completely revamped Batman to make him this dark, gritty guy followed closely by this film so 
this is where really that moment was this new direction of the what I consider the modern day Batman, this dark brooding character. So that was the Miley Cyrus moment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, so that was in 1989. Then we had obviously Batman Returns. Uh, then after Tim Burton left because that film was deemed way too dark, I actually remember my mum wouldn't let me watch that film because when because it, it was just too dark, uh, which I was really gutted by. And then so Warner Brothers, we know how reactionary they are. <laughs> Even back then, we're like, right, we got to change it. We got to make it more kid friendly. Then we got Batman Forever. And we also got the abysmal Batman Returns. Uh, sorry, Batman Returns, uh, Batman and Robin. So I put this one in here because this is the embodiment of when everything goes wrong for a comic book movie. When it's complete disrespect to the characters, to the lore, to the whole purpose of making a movie. Uh, even the actors said like it felt like I was shooting a toy commercial. Like it just, it, it's everything wrong with comic book movies and people who don't understand comic books this is what you get. Uh, so, yes. Uh, so, we're still in the 90s. Now, Marvel, at this point, uh, were on the verge of bankruptcy. So, they were like, what do we do? We sell all our character rights to other movie studios. So, this is the time where Sony acquired the rights to Spider-Man and all of his you know, characters and villains. This is where Fox purchased X-Men, Fantastic Four, and all the X-Family and stuff like that. Um, you know, uh, they also got Daredevil and, you know, uh, Marvel were basically like, take all these characters because we need the money. This saved them from bankruptcy. If they hadn't done that, we might not have had Marvel Studios as we have it today, which is kind of crazy. This is now the point where I think comic book movies start to be taken a little bit more seriously. And I think the one that really did that uh, first uh, was Blade in 1998. Now, a lot of people don't even know that this is a comic book, let alone a Marvel character. And at the time, it was very much like, don't tell anyone this is a comic book movie. People just saw it as a vampire movie. Yeah, a lot of people. Like, I'm sure there are people listening, and today are just realizing that it's a comic book movie. It, it's a Marvel character. Yeah, it, it wasn't shot like a comic book movie. It wasn't, every everything was what we were used to because vampire movies, it, it just, it was the right film at the right time. It was a very 90s movie. Yeah, the 90s. Very, the 90s action flavor. Exactly. And vampires, those kind of movies were beginning to come up. So it was just the right film at the right time. And what about that opening song as well? Come on. Everybody loves that rave scene. So yeah, I think this is where they started to take it a bit more seriously, but they didn't outright say, look at me, I'm a comic book movie. I think where it really happened was two years later in the year 2000, where we got the first X-Men from Brian Singer, where obviously our first introduction to Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, another casting that everybody was like, what? This guy, he's too tall. <laughs> now we can't imagine anyone else as Wolverine. And this was where they were basically saying, we are a comic book movie, we're embracing a comic book movie, but because all the bad taste of, of the 90s and all the campiness with Batman and Robin and Batman Forever, they're like, no, but we're serious. So we're not going to wear yellow suits. We're going to wear black leather. It was the time where it, everything had to be black leather and cool because you can't have campy. You can't have bright colors. You know what I mean? The, the studios were almost scared to do that because they needed to appeal to a mass audience, not just kids. They're thinking, not mine. They're thinking. Uh, but then it soon changed after that when we got 2002, the first Spider-Man movie. Sam Raimi, Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man. 
I would say this was a huge one because this one almost fully embraced the campiness, bright colors. It was a superhero film. So wouldn't you agree? Indeed, yeah, the first Spider-Man. That yeah, it was. It, it was, and it made a lot of money. Yeah, it was different from. I don't know. Each of these films just. Can you see the evolution you as well? You can see it. You know, you can see one being dark and you see one. That's where the X-Men movie was, where CGI really yes, played a part. It, that's in, when it kicked in. Yeah, yeah that well. was the first superhero movie that was really, you know, made with a huge CGI budget. Even the, the Spider-Man that came after that wasn't followed that trend of CGI, but it told the story in a different way, mm-hmm. you know. You know, and uh, that we hadn't started getting post-credit scenes at the time. That time, no, no, that no, hadn't no. started. Um, but yeah, you could just see how they started. They were feeding off of each other, but each at each level, they just told the story differently. And that little difference created its own it's sort of like a tree. You know, that little stem. I don't know what you know. That branch stem becomes a branch becomes. You know how yeah, trees yeah. grow. You yeah, know? I'm sorry, I can't remember what they're called but you know how those things happen and it's sort of you can see how it's all gone it's not and it could have gone another way yeah it could have gone horribly wrong yeah and not wrong but just different mm-hmm. you know in a, an alternate universe we could have been the story could have just a different if they hired this director to do the this. wrong director yeah 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 it could have gone very wrong or the internet uh, was invented a year earlier or something something know? could have happened that changed the whole landscape of this i'd also like to point out that at this time in the early noughties, uh, serving as an executive producer up and coming was a young Kevin Feige, working with Fox, working with Sony on these movies. And like, because he was there, I remember there was an interview where he was saying that they just couldn't get their heads around how, what to do with these movies. Like, how, do we, how do we make this, you know? And, he's, and he brought out the comics and he said, everything we need is in here. Wow. So the guy right at the beginning saying, let, it's here. It look, don't look at these as funny books for kids. Look at these as storytelling. So I think this point, it started well, and then it just went really bad because we got some really bad movies, I think, in the mid-noughties. Um, I kind of like it, but you know, most people didn't really like that Daredevil movie, Catwoman, Elektra, Fantastic Four. Yeah, yeah, I can see your face cringing. Yeah, like, yeah, it, it, yeah. They did make. T- yeah. yeah, it just, they just, it just seems like, like Kevin Feige was sort of saying, the studios just did not know what to do with these characters. But one thing I would say about those films, they did have huge marketing budgets. Oh yeah, they were all over the place. All over the place. They were mer- merchant. You could, I remember seeing the buses. You'd see the post. They were everywhere. The marketing was huge, and you'd go to the cinema and you'd be like ah, what is this yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it w- the marketing didn't match what we were getting in the cinema and you're correct those movies were terrible yeah i mean i, I think i speak for a lot of people when they say those movies are kind of bad but all of this is subjective it is subjective i'm sure that i i kind of like the daredevil movie do you know what exactly. i mean like, there's a soft spot in my heart for that film but i know a lot of people don't like it yeah like i like the batman and robin you know there you go uh so in 2005 Warner Brothers were looking at rebooting Batman. Now, this was a challenge because Batman and Robin basically killed the Batman franchise. You know, it was a real nail in the heart, that one. It was like, oh, no, we can't touch Batman again because it was so bad that it was just, you know, obviously you like it, but I mean financially and just critically everything. So 
what do you do? Well, you have to change the character completely. You bring in Christopher Nolan, and this is where we get Batman Begins. This was the first time, I think, where people started to go, oh, wait, this is like a real movie. This is like a movie for adults, in a way. You know, it wasn't pandering to kids or anything like that. It was serious performances, uh, really well-written dialogue, you know, complex storylines and character arcs, but also Batman is in there and he's flying around in a cape. <laughs> so I think this was the moment where people start to turn their heads and go, oh, what's, what's happening over here? But then I think it really kicked off in 2008 with the release of two movies, and that is the sequel to Batman Begins, and that is The Dark Knight. That one, I think, on so many levels, changed the industry forever. So, because Nolan took those complex storylines he did in Batman Begins, and he made them even more so. He made this crime noir-driven story, thriller, basically, but just with Joker and Batman in it. It was a real crime story, do you know what I mean? Uh, and he portrayed Gotham and all these characters in such a realistic and grounded way. And of course, we got that memorable performance from Heath Ledger as the Joker, which obviously won an Oscar. And it was also the first comic book movie to reach $1 billion. Wow. In 2000... Uh, 2008. Wow. It's the first movie to do that. You know, at that time as well. It was unheard of. Like, what? So big shoes to fill. Uh, but then on the other side of the pond, we had Marvel. And what did they release in 2008, which started this whole Marvel Cinematic Universe that we all love now, and that was the first Iron Man. Another huge risk, getting Robert Downey Jr. to play this character after a very troublesome few years with rehab and all sorts of other problems he was going through, uh, to get this character that, let's be real, unless you're a comic book fan, nobody knew who this nobody, guy was. Yeah. Who knows? Who's Iron Man? Mm -hmm. He had he had a series, a cartoon, a series. Exactly. I would consider him a B character yeah, he, in, in the comics. Even in the comics, he's not an A character. He's a B character. So it's a risk doing this, and then it completely changed everyone's perspective. All of a sudden, Iron Man was everyone's favorite superhero. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can't imagine anyone else's Iron Man now, obviously because of the legacy that Robert Downey Jr. has left. But this film, I think, is so important because... At the time of the release of The Dark Knight, I think it really showed people that comic books weren't just one type of film. You could have this really dark, gritty, grounded story, and this also very playful, uh, fun film, adventure film. But they're both from comics, and they both earn a lot of money, and everyone seems to like them. Mm. I think this is the moment, the real moment, where the industry changed forever. Mm. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, yeah. Iron Man was the yeah. It was. I mean, that to me till today, that's one of my favorite comic book movies ever. Like Iron for Man for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, it was great, and you know, I think the whole make that was where we were introduced. So, well, we were in. I think we we're in. Which one came out first, Iron Man or the Hulk? Uh, Iron Man. So I think that, yes. So which that, I think that was the first time we're seeing those post-credit scenes. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yes, yeah, because that was where people started seeing. I think that was the first time ever a film had of that magnitude had ever done that. Where at the end of the film, you're alluding to something else that there is a story to be told, and people start getting in. So everybody was sort of now invested 
in the universe because you just wanted to see what happens. See what happens. What's that? And also for people who read the comics and know the comics, people lost their minds. That post-credit scene when Nick Fury says, "I'm here to talk to you about the Avengers Initiative." I'm telling. I was one of those people. I lost my mind because you knew what the because Avengers I knew were. what I was talking, and I was just like, "Are you kidding me? Are they gonna do the Avengers?" And I, but at this thinking, how is that even possible? Like, no way. You know, we're at this point in the industry, we're just like we're solo superhero. Let's see how it goes. To have a team up, it was unheard of. You think that that's never gonna happen? Mm. But you know, we'll, at this point, we'll we'll see what happens, I guess. But just people losing their minds, I couldn't believe it. Uh, but Disney knew they were onto something, so the next year in 2009, they bought Marvel Entertainment, just like that. And I think what was their part in Marvel before that? None. So it was just based on the success of Iron Man that they saw potential. Yeah. And obviously, they must have obviously had uh, meetings with Kevin Feige, so they probably saw potential in him as well. So, what was Kevin Feige to the first Iron Man? He was the producer, creative. Uh, yeah, he's been the producer from day one because uh, he established Marvel Studios. So at this point, uh, Marvel didn't have a studios to produce films; they just loaned the characters to the other studios. So it was just before, obviously, before they started making Iron Man, where he was like, "Let's make our own studio." And produce the films with the characters we still own. That was yeah, 2009. Disney buys it, so at that point, it's all going to be under the Disney umbrella over the world takeover. But it was the year after that where we got Kickass in 2010. Now this was interesting movie because this was a indie comic book. This wasn't from the big two. It wasn't from DC. It wasn't from Marvel. You could say it was from Marvel. It was an imprint of Marvel, so it was under the Marvel umbrella, but it didn't have the Marvel logo on it. Uh, but this was a very uh, stylized comic book movie in the sense of like satire, because it took odes to like the Batman campiness with the the bow oh, and the power yeah. and stuff like that, and the costumes they were. But it was an R-rated film for starters. It was violent. It had swear words. It was from characters that people had no idea who they were. And I, it was for me the first film that people were like, "Oh wait, what's this? Oh, this is a comic book," and then it just took off from there because I think it made people realize it's not just superheroes. Yes, Kickass is an homage to superheroes, but I think but it did it in a different way, which opened the door for other people to see other stuff, which we'll we'll get to talk about in a second. So I think yeah, that completely changed it. And then in 2011. We got the first se uh, season one of Arrow, and I think this is a huge moment because DC are probably at this point they haven't got their film universe off the ground. They're probably seeing what Marvel are doing at this point. They've released Thor and uh, Captain America and Iron Man 2, so they, you know they're well ahead of the game. So they thought, well, why don't we just create a show and see what happens? And then it's still going today. I actually can't believe that the Arrowverse is still going. So Arrow was the First, after DC had made, um, after Warner Brothers had made Superman years earlier, yeah, uh, and those, so um, Arrow was the first um, property they were releasing since then. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, they obviously had other like movie, but TV series. Yeah, this was the first big one for them, I think, which now is loved by so many fans. You know, a lot of people say it's at times very accurate to the comics. You know, it is very comic book storytelling with the characters. I really did enjoy this series when it. I've sort of dropped off to, 
dropped off it now. But um, I know you watched The Flash as well, which obviously spun off from that. But I just think it's really impressive what they've done to have so many shows all interconnecting, very much like Marvel do with their movies, and then do these huge team-ups. I think it, they've done it very well. Uh, but the year after that, the impossible happened. And that in 2012, they released the first Avengers movie. And I, I remember this year because I remember going to see it and, be, and coming out of the movie theater shaking from the excitement I've just witnessed in front of me. Like, it was, it was a ride. It was a ride I never thought was ever going to happen. Uh, you know, it was the first time I really experienced this event-like style film in the cinema because just the whole audience was laughing. We were cheering. People got up and, you know, putting fists in the air. It was just incredible. And it made so much money. It broke the $1 billion mark. I think it went to 1.6 or something like that. Uh, and they did the impossible. I mean, what were your feelings when you first saw the Avengers? Like it's just, the Avengers is just, like I said, after a Iron Man and how they started to connect the universe, everybody started getting invested in the story. And we, we could all see that it was building onto something, you know, and Avengers was just, it was just the climax, the yeah. climax of it all. We, obviously, at that point in time, we knew they were going to go for the Infinity Wars and all that. But the uh, post-credit scene of the Avengers. Yeah. yeah, but like at that point, you thought this was going to be the end. Avengers is it. You can't go. You think how, how, how can you go more? Exactly. Yeah. What more can you add to the Avengers? That's obviously where everyone... At, you know, at the time of the Avengers, we all kind of knew there would be Infinity Wars, sort of. We, we hoped. We yeah. hoped that, you know, we hear, we hear things and... We, sort of had the idea well i thought when the avengers came out i thought it made it possible now do you know what i mean it, it for, before the avengers came out i don't think it, we no it's never going to happen but you, ha you had heard that they were working on it they were thinking about it you know but the thing is at avengers level you thought there was nothing more they could do you know but they took it even a step further with like, yeah they kept building yeah yeah and they kept building and so so which makes me think that even though Infinity Wars has ended the story or has it, they could even, if they wanted, they could even take well, it they, further. Well, they, they are keep on moving the story forward like they are. So. They are, you know, but some of it is rehashing stories yeah, that have been yeah. told. We'll, but we'll get into that in a bit later. Uh, so, yeah, so the Avengers comes out in 2012. And then at this point, DC and Warner Brothers are running around in the offices saying, right, we need to get this movie thing off the ground. So they release Man of Steel from Zack Schneider. After he'd uh, obviously he'd done very well with 300, then Watchmen comes on to do Superman. Uh, mixed reactions, you know. I personally love this movie. I think it's an amazing Superman movie. I think stylization, it's incredible. Direction by Zack Snyder is top notch. I really like it. I love Henry Cavill as Superman. I know you not so much a fan of Henry Cavill as Superman, but he did something which you know needed to happen and he completely changed Superman he needed to change Superman he needed to do something completely different uh, obviously you're going to have people complaining is that's not my Superman but then I also think if you had done something too similar to the Christopher Reeve Superman like that Superman Returns movie you get people saying well I've seen this before it's the same what I've seen before why give me something new yeah, well, Zach, Zach Schneider made Superman relevant to the time he made him relevant he made him realistic yeah you know, Superman now could have been like Spider-Man. You see, it, it, there was no way you could tell his story now. Now, Superman is still relevant. And that foundation started with the ways that Schneider told that first Superman. 
for me, all you have to say is Zack Schneider, and I'll think it's a good movie. You're but there, yeah. but it was a good movie. Yeah. Um, so in 2015, we then went on to Kingsman: The Secret Service because this was another one. So like I said, with um, Kickass, the people started looking at indie comic book movies and not just like superheroes and capes. While that was an homage to that, I thought Kingsman did a really good job of like this was a spy movie above all else it was like a sort of uh, heightened version of like James Bond meets Jason Bourne but it's got that comic book flavor violence and stuff like that and it's another one that were like this movie is a comic book and, you, and people would be shocked that it was a comic book honestly I didn't know till the movie came out I did not know of Kingsman till the movie came out. Exactly. So I'm one of those people. I raised my hand. I did not know that. Yeah, it's another imprint of Marvel. And it just did so well at the box office, did really well critically, and the audience love it that it spawned a franchise. And we'll get into this a bit later, but this is where I think the industry is moving. We're moving into more independent, different genres within storytelling and comic book movies. Uh, but I think this was sort of the start of it. And then... In also 2015, this is where we got season one of Daredevil. And where the, we got the dawn of the Marvel Netflix superheroes uh, universe thing. This was a game changer. This was taking uh, the Marvel characters still sort of connected to the movie universe. So I have a question. So at yeah, this, go ahead. At this point in time, um, Marvel Studios belonged to Disney. So how did Netflix get their hands on this? That uh, obviously they worked out a deal. They worked out a deal with Disney. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so N Marvel, uh, sorry, Netflix did the deal with um, Marvel. So they wanted to sort of build their own little franchise. So I looked at it. I probably think Marvel were like, well, we're not doing anything with these characters. We have no plans for these characters. Take these. Because uh, I don't think Kevin Feige had really had no involvement in the whole Netflix stuff. But, but they were allowed to loosely base it on some of the things in they the movies? They could have very, yeah, threads connecting to the universe. Like in the, in the Daredevil series, you see like clip newspaper clippings of the attack on New York, which happened in the Avengers. Mm. So very, like almost loosely tied. Yeah, but this for me, it changed the game again. It took these characters really adult. Like this, this, this series and then the following series after this is no longer for children in a way. Children cannot watch this. Uh, because it was graphic in terms of violence, uh, nudity, swear words, and also just complex storytelling that maybe can't reach the mind of a, of a younger kid. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was adult storytelling, and it was dark, gritty. I just loved it. I loved it, and it's spawned, a, in my opinion, a very good universe. Had a couple of missteps here and there. Yeah, I think what changed, um, and this didn't start with this um, Netflix films. It started with Nolan. What changed is the filmmakers. When pre-Nolan's Batman, the films were made by adults for kids. But Nolan made Batman as an adult for adults. So after the success of Christopher Nolan's Batman film, so people, they, when they were making the films, they weren't just making it for, it wasn't just, oh, I'm making, this is the kind of thing I want my kids to watch, so I will make a film no, they were sort of, I want to make a film, film I, I want to I want to watch, yeah. So, which is different. So, and it, it all started with that Christopher Nolan universe. But now, with the Netflix, um, I bring it up now, because with the Netflix series, that was also a leap in that direction, where the filmmakers were the people, I'm making a film for me. I'm not making it for my kids. I'm not making it for my parents. I'm making it for me. 
So I'm an adult, so I'm, I can, I'm allowed to put some adult themes in there. So that was really cool. That was that these these series were in those directions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the movie industry started to move towards that direction as well, because then in 2016 uh, we got the first Deadpool movie. Now up, up until this point we've had R-rated comic book movies, uh, V for Vendetta, Watchmen, um, uh, 300, The Sin City we have had R-rated comic book movies. Unfortunately, though, none of those movies made a lot of money, you know? So, you know, this business, unfortunately, relies a lot on money. So if the studios are not making money on those movies, they're not gonna make R-rated comic book movies, are they? They're gonna focus on PG-13 so they can bring in a crowd of youngsters to watch these films as well. And like you're saying with uh, the Nolan Batman movies, he took that to the very edge of PG-13, I thought. Uh, you know, one step more, and it's it's an R-rated film. I think there's definitely scenes he cut out that would probably would have made the film R-rated. Uh, but Deadpool, from a completely different angle, was basically in a F that, you know. Let's make the movie, and Ryan Reynolds, let's make the movie we want to make that's true to the character of Deadpool, and then trying for 10 years to get this movie made to the point where Fox were like, you know what, leave us alone. Here's, I think they gave them 50 million, 60 million. Just make this movie, whatever. And they made the movie they got to make without interference. And it earned nearly $800 million at the box office. You know what I mean? Like, I, that's just crazy for an R-rated superhero comedy film yeah. to do that. It's, it's just another evolution. It's one step. But no, the thing about the Deadpool movie is... You know, this is that thing I was saying about the branch. If there was no kick-ass, there probably wouldn't, wouldn't be, be any Deadpool. You know, I agree. Yeah. So you can see it's that branch. Something happens and that branch grows out and that just becomes a thing of its own. There haven't been a lot. Well, even now, I was about to say there haven't been a lot. But you look at even the boys that we love a lot. Mm-hmm. Even though it's serious, but you see... There's the, a bit of comedy there. The go- there's a bit of comedy. The violence is over the top. Mm-hmm so over the top that it's unbelievable so it takes away the gore of it yeah. very much like deadpool like exactly so so and it's, it's kick-ass deadpool you now have the boys and you know that branch is healthy and it's doing well other, the other branches are doing well as well so this is a healthy tree every branch that you've mentioned so far seems to be going in a exactly. good direction like marvel are doing really well doing their thing deadpool's doing his thing and then Fox seemed to be on a roll because then the next year they released Logan. Now this took it into another direction where they made it an R-rated film, but this film was a character study. You know, it wasn't, there was no, of course there was some action scenes, but it wasn't an end of the world, you know, all this crazy choreography and stuff like that. It was about this character. It was about growing old. It was about dealing with parenthood, you know, and it was also the theme of the movie I thought was death and how do you deal with death? Uh, so it was really, really moving that film, and it took it took people, and again to go, oh wow, you can actually make really serious comic book movies to the point where this movie it got nominated for best adapted screenplay at the Oscars, and I think this was the first time where the, even the Oscars, the Academy was like, oh hang on a second, this is actually a really good film. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we then get in the same year, Wonder Woman. Now, 
can you actually believe that we've gone from you know the 60s we're now in 2017 and there hasn't been a wonder woman movie let alone there hasn't been a female-led superhero well there has electra and catwoman but we saw what happened to those so the studios saw yeah they don't work but if you get the right director and the right story behind it look what wonder woman did and so much money money more money than they expected and they brought in this whole new wave of now in the climate without with the me too and stuff like that gives women an opportunity to, to have somebody they can look up to and idolize and also relate to which it was one of the assets that pushed forward this female empowerment it was yeah you know, because it did well and it didn't do well because it was made by women it did well because it was a good movie it was a good movie you know sort of like black panther it, it didn't do well because it was a black film and everybody was feeling sorry for it was actually a good movie so yeah. well we'll get into that because right after that was black panther so following on this whole you know diversity thing so we got wonder woman now leading the charge with feminism then black panther comes out and people like yourselves you know i've i saw uh, people uh, black people coming out in the theater i saw one of them crying because he's like man i can't believe i've seen this guy on the screen for the first time like do you know what i mean somebody i can uh, that he that looks like me no, Black Panther. That there was. It was a beautiful time. It was. It was a beautiful film. It, it, it did a lot. It did a lot, and yeah. it got nominated for Best Picture, because not because it pandered to an audience or anything like that. Because it was a good movie, but also had really important messages to say, mm. and they did them well. They did them very clever. Uh, so then we got 2018 and 2019. We get the big double Infinity War and Endgame. Now, we were just talking earlier about the Avengers. How can you build? And they just kept on building and building and building to these two. I don't think there's ever been two bigger movies in movie history in terms of scale, uh, cast members, budgets, box office. Like It was unheard of what they did with these two movies. So I think you've got to applaud them. I mean... As blockbusters go, this was a blockbuster movie. To a points that you can't even imagine. Yeah, this was it. This is this is the definition. So when somebody says, "What is a blockbuster movie?" That the, those two movies, that is it. That it had everything. It had a good story. It had a good villain. It had good characters. The 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 CGI, the technology at the time. Obviously, we'll watch this in twenty years time and be like, "This was the best they had to offer." But the tech at the time was it's the best mankind yeah. had to offer. It was everything. He had the explosions. It was, it was big. It was all over the news. It was everything. The hype was there and it delivered. It delivered and it ended the story in a very satisfying way. way you know, and everybody just applauded. Every story thread was, was done. sealed. Everything yeah. was explained. Everybody applauded. They made their money and made yeah they definitely made their money i tell you that and we were entertained how you know we were entertained yeah we you know i if we are you can't ask for a more entertaining film yeah like, if we yeah. were at the gladiator we see yeah we are entertained yeah they, they did it it was a good good 20 how many years did that go over uh, it's 11 years from iron man to, to this 11 to years 11 years what a journey what a journey uh, so then we also have, now we get into the modern time where we are now, where we had huge hits like Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which again changed the game. You know, another game changer, what it did with animation, Watchmen, what it did for TV, 
uh, and also, you know, the political landscape and stuff like that. Again, even m going one further with complex storytelling. And then, obviously, recently, Joker, uh, which deals with things like mental health. Uh, and again, another character study, much like Logan, um, and, but really going deep into the character study. And I, th I think if Logan had, wasn't made and wasn't as successful, I don't think you get Joker. Of course. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. It, it was... Like you said, the branch. That yeah, it was a branch of that same deep characters. It's not about the explosions and the CGI. It's the characters. It's I agree with you on that. If there was no Logan, there would be no Joker. Mm -hmm. And Joker is, to me, some of the of all the comic book films we've, we've one of the best is one of the best. It's up top five there. You can't have the top mention the top five and not mention this Joker. Mm. Well, it, yours it anyway. I mean, yeah, yeah. of course. <laughs> Okay, indeed. So we, that's it. We're up to modern time now. So let's get a bit more in depth about um, all this now. So I'm going to start off with a very simple question. Mm. What is your favorite comic book movie and why? I just answered the Joker. Joker. At the moment, okay, let me be. Now, it's a tough one because normally I'd say 300 because 300 is, as everyone knows, it's my favorite film of every every ever since camera was invented 300 is my best film so it would be easy for me to say 300 but if you follow my argument 300 isn't a comic book movie so my favorite would be joker that joker is just it does everything a film should do like films i think are a medium for sending a message whatever that message is it did that it sent it sent its message it was entertaining it was relevant it was just well executed and i'm just happy that everybody got rewarded i like it when people put in the work and they get rewarded this was a film it wasn't about the budget anybody could have made this film if they settled down a, some a, a group of 20 filmmakers could have with could with enough budget could have made this film there was nothing out of reach for a decent amount and this film was made and it just and it was a superhero film and it just did so well that's why i think it's film. The, well yeah you know yeah it was yeah. a comic book film yeah so that's why it's my favorite i I'm, I, I'm yet to be you know hopefully something changes my mind in 10 years time but for now we'll see, we'll see. i mean mine is is no surprise joker's definitely up there like number two or three for me but mine is the dark knight uh, ever since first seeing it into the, the cinema for the first time when I was like 15, 16, I've just absolutely loved that film. And it for so many reasons, you can't obviously, besides Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker, that's the obvious choice, but everyone's performance from Bale as Batman, um, uh, what's it, Gary Oldman as Commissioner Gordon, the complex storytelling that um, Nolan influenced into this film that made it really a crime a th film more than anything. It like I said, it just had the characters of Batman Joker in that crime film. Uh, the way he dealt with the crime family. Um, technical aspects, you know, the use of cinematography in that film from the IMAX cameras, the action scenes and how it's all played out, all the practicality of the Batsuit and his vehicles. Uh, I just can't praise this film enough. I, there's n I don't know what else to say about this film. The music by Hans Zimmer created some of the best superhero scores I've ever heard. It's that just, film was a game changer. It was. If it wasn't for that, like you said, it was. That was the first time a filmmaker made a f 
superhero film for adults, mm -hmm. for himself, mm -hmm. rather than for his kids. So that was it was a game changer. It was. So is there any character or storyline that you would like to see adapted that hasn't been done yet? So is, there's this trend that is going on now, which is rather than tell the story of the good guys, they are telling the story of the bad guys. So, you know, I, I want to see more of these, like the Joker, the boys, all these films that tell us the, the other side of the story. So going with that villain trend, I want to actually see it from Thanos' point of view. I want to see Thanos' story. You know, any story, no matter, uh, unless it's somebody who just wants to blow up the world for his own entertainment, but usually much, most good stories, the good guy and the bad guy is only from a certain point of view. Mm -hmm. You look at it from another aspect. We were talking before the show and we're saying how in Star Wars, the Empire, from a certain point of view, can be seen as the good guys. Yeah. So I want to see a villain to tell us that same story but this time, make the villain the good guy and make the good guy the bad guys. Let's see it from a different point of view. So, sort of like the Joker, minus the violence, minus him killing people. If all he did at the end of the day was, say, maybe scream, go on the show and scream at the, um, at the presenter and walk off the stage without the violence and all of that... You know, we wouldn't see the Joker as a bad guy. No, we'd, of course not. We'd yeah. relate to him. So we'd see him as the good guy in the story. So I want to see stories where... I want to see if a filmmaker can be that creative. Um, tell a story of one of these bad guys, but do it in such a way that we see him from his own point of view. As far as it's not some megalomaniac wet dream that he's trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of thing. That's what I want to kind of see. Yeah, it's interesting. I think we will be getting more stories like that. Mm. Um, for me, I've always wanted, and I hope it's happening now, they've been saying it's going to happen for ages, but Sandman by Neil Gaiman. Because that is some of, not only is it some of the best comics I've ever read, it's some of the best literature I've ever read. Because wow. it's so well written by Neil Gaiman, it just so happens to be a comic. You know what I mean? Like Everyone knows Neil Gaiman for his ex amazing novels of fantasy and stuff like that. And he just creates this whole world that is so mythical and fantastical and it has like about 30 different million storylines in it it's just i don't know how they're going to pull it off but if there was one i could get adapted adapted it's that one so let me ask why do you think comic books have become so popular comic books or comic book movies comic book movies sorry why, why like s s these movies like comics nobody's reading mm -hmm. like you know all these movies even v for vendetta all these are comic books nobody read to a lot of people, comics are just Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, Iron Man. That's it. Those You could name just five to ten names, and that's comics. Then there is all the others. So why is it that something nobody has ever read of, once it's on screen, boom, everybody... Why do you think that... Why? I think, I think it's down to the quality of the movies themselves and the quality of the characters. Uh, I think in the right hands... Story at the end of the day, stories are stories, and we as humans just want good, inspiring stories. And I think superheroes um, give us this uh, sense of escapism to go into these movies, uh, be entertained in ways that we can't really sort of be entertained in real life, uh, but also at the same time inspire us. You know what I mean? 
um, when they, whenever they have speeches or quotes that you know you can relate to, when they're put into situations that you, the audience, can relate to, whether it's losing a loved one, or it's you know, uh, you know, I don't know, as complex as Black Panther, Killmonger, where he feels his brothers around the world are being slaughtered. You know, going to heroes and villains. I think there's something to take in all these characters and stories that people just find inspiring and entertaining. Mm. And they're just good movies, man. I just think for the majority, they're just good movies that people like to have fun in. Yeah. That's sort of why I think they're so popular. Now that you've seen the evolution and seen how, you know, studios have been treating these movies and how us, the audience, have been responding to these movies and TV shows. But how, how do you think it's changed? How do you think it's gone from maybe like this is for kids to where we are now? And at what point do you think it changed? Part of it has to do with just the economics of it. The kids who read comics now have uh, adults. Now adults, yeah, and they still love their comics. And the kids now, filmmaking is a career. So the folks who read comics now have the ability to bring it to life. Not so when their parents made films, you know. So it's just there's a lot of a lot has to do with the ec economics of it. So now. People are going to university to learn how to make um, comic book films, like you know, high-end fantasy films. So there, that pipe has been built. So all those people learning animations and all of that, where where, are the, where do you think those skills are going to live? Where where do you think they're going to express those skills? So they're going to be in family dramas. Exactly, it, it's going to be out there. And now with the internet, where you literally do not. You know how hard it was to make a film before? You needed to have a distributor, you needed to have this, you needed to sign contracts. All the equipment. And all, all the yeah. equipment. Now, literally, a guy who has the time can make... I was watching a film, a CGI movie last night, and this guy was in India. He made this really cool short film all from his laptop. And it's out there on the internet, 11 million views. And it's a really good short film. That was impossible those days. So, like, I think now there's a lot of the economics has just allowed it to happen. So that's why it's now part of culture. People have ju it's now part of us, you know. And the things that used to be part of those previous generations of filmmakers, like plays and all those other arts, that out of us, we don't subscribe to those mm -hmm. kind of things. So. I think it will continue. Yeah, I think it sort of relates to the whole earlier uh, in last year uh, with the whole Scorsese controversy and Marvel. I mean, yeah, he doesn't like those movies, but that's because he wasn't from that generation. He didn't grow up reading comic books. Yeah. So yeah, I, I totally get what yeah, you mean. Yeah, he grew up in a time where the America was riddled with crime, crime and all of that. And so those are the stories that he tells. But yeah, it, it's, it's all a, a point of view as well at the end of the day. Um, so when so because we're getting so many adaptations now i use adaptations loosely because we are yes we're adapting the characters but an important question and this is especially for comic book fans is how true do you stay to the source material while also giving us what we always say give us something new how do you find that balance andy yeah, what can you change and what can you not change? Yeah, that's you know? it's hard, isn't it? it it's because tough. you're never going to please everyone. You can't, yeah. But I think, like, I was watching an interview from, I can't remember his name. What was the name of the director of Rogue One? 
Uh, Gareth Edwards. Gareth Edwards, yes, that was him. And he was talking about the hallway scene mm-hmm. with the, the Vader, Vader hallway yeah. scene. You know, you know, I'm sure you've heard the stories. They shot it after. Yeah, it was a last minute. It was last thing. minute. Then he just pitched it. An editor mentioned it and he pitched the idea to Kathleen Kennedy and they said, okay, do it. And one thing he said that struck me um, in the interview was when they were shooting the scenes and they were thinking about it. He said, we didn't want to show anything that Vader hadn't done originally. We didn't want to introduce any power that we hadn't seen him do in the prequels. So I think that's the formula you should use when you're adapting these things. Don't do anything. Don't introduce new things. You know, don't suddenly say um, Kryptonite doesn't affect Superman. If you want to do it right, the times that it has worked, they've just stayed true to the core. The other things they can move, whether his suit, like whether the Batman suit should be made of leather or metal, those are frivolous things. You can be creative mm-hmm. with those ones, but don't say the Joker. Like for example, when we were when we were watching the Joker and we were, I and my jaw was about to drop. I was hoping they wouldn't say the Joker and Batman were related. Oh yeah, yeah. Like everybody was hoping that wouldn't be the case. Like that would have been a step too far. Yeah. Exactly. You don't do things like that, but you can be creative and say the Joker was he it's actually an actual mental sickness that's why he laughs or in hit ledger when i'm nolan was it was my dad who told my mom you Mm -hmm. can be creative in those aspects the point is you the joker always smiles he must always keep the smile smile, yeah you keep the smile whatever and however that smile comes that's up to you so stay true to the story don't introduce anything new because you want to subvert expectations that's how you do it Mm -hmm. i mean (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree with you in some aspects because I think at the at the you should keep the core of the character who they are. And I think Marvel have done that very well. So Marvel are very good at changing things and changing a lot of storylines to adapt to the movies they're making. But I always feel as if the core of these characters are there and they that doesn't change. Like, for example, I use um, Civil War, for example, that the storyline is completely different to the comic book. Do you know what I mean? And that's because of, you know, just logistic reasons. They don't own all the characters to do it. You know, it would just be too... There's the way the storyline interplays. It just wouldn't work quite as a film. But so they changed it to meet film sort of standards. But at the end of the day, that film, Civil War, is still keeping the core of what the comic book is, which is the Sokovian Accords and it's a difference of, of points of opinion about these, between these groups of superheroes. Exactly, so it's just stay true to the thing. You know, Thanos wanted to get in the comics. The reason for Thanos needing the stones is different from the... Exactly, well, I even think they did it better in the movies because they made it a bit more relatable. Exactly. In the comics, it was just sort of like, ha-ha, you know, like I'm, I'm gonna be, destroy half the thing, yeah. Yeah, so it wasn't, so, but the, the point is, Thanos wanted the stones. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't say, you can't just come and say Thanos was born with that was. You just stay true to the main points of it, then be creative around it. Don't go too far. Like, So, how do you think these movies have changed nerd culture in general? It's, well, it's not just these movies. It's like, it's not... It's cool to be a nerd, but it didn't just start with these movies. It's in society as well. And that's kind of started when the nerds started to really make money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the guys who used to be cool, the, the anti-nerds were... The jocks, yeah. The no. jocks were working in McDonald's, <laughs> whereas the nerd was 
owning McDonald's. So that whole it, the, the term nerd stuff became cool and um yeah, so that whole thing just came into this whole thing. So it's really not now you get adults playing games. Mm-hmm. You know, you get professional gamers. You people play games and then it was like the things only boys do not even girls only boys of a certain age do when i get professional gamers so it's not professional nerds professional nerds can you imagine people whose job it and they are killing it in the bank yeah it's no it's absolutely (laughs) crazy i mean from all aspects like you said whether you're you know comics have are more popular now these movies are so popular now it's uh you know yeah, there's people who do what we do professionally just talking about comic book movies you know into a microphone and they get paid to do that it's just it's absolutely insane now i remember when i was a kid growing up um you know for me it it was almost i wasn't totally ashamed of liking what i liked but there was a bit of bullying there there was a bit of like oh i can't quite let everyone know this and this is what i'm reading you know things like that now it's kind of like Wait, everyone likes this stuff now. And it's really funny because sometimes I see people, I'm like, hang on a second. Didn't you bully me like all those years ago for liking this stuff? And now you're wearing an Avengers t-shirt. It's it's (laughs) funny. I was thinking thinking about it the other day. If you go into a boardroom now, so if I showed you two pictures of a boardroom and one with people in hoodies, people with hoodies and t-shirts and one with people with, suits and ties and i told you which one had more money you probably wouldn't be able to tell because now ceos wear hoodies yeah it's now cool those things that if you see somebody putting on a hoodie at 12 in the afternoon those uh, at midday those days you'd be like he doesn't have a job if he had a job he'd be well dressed and all right now that guy could be ceo of a company so the cool nerd culture is now cool Mm -hmm. and it's in mainstream so that has just gone into the whole comics thing so it's yeah. no longer and like the conventions as well comic cons are now huge yeah Do you know what i mean like that like, it's not just for comic nerds for like people travel around the world to go to these conventions now yeah but you know so one thing for all the stick that comic girl, comic book movies get all the insult they get that they're not real movies from scorsese and the likes even for me sometimes one thing they have done is they have inspired a generation there are children i mean i fully love astrophysics um podcasts and there are children who today want to be astrophysics who want to go into science because they were inspired by the infinity stones they were inspired by the stars or they watched um kevin nolan's um christopher uh, nolan. sorry christopher nolan's um batman movies no not um interstellar Interstellar. they saw interstellar and they were like wow i really and you know it's all these super remote that now that man we've we've understood the earth and we're looking to the stars people and you see we're having missions to space and all that space is no longer this mythical thing people are really looking ahead looking up now and seeing movies like this i can assume that it plays a part in inspiring some of these young people that would take mankind to the planets yeah i also think it more on emotional level you get kids or people that just watch these movies they see these heroes helping people and you know they just think on a, on a conscious level no i want i just want to help people do you know yeah. what i mean and they'll find a way i want to bring joy like that person like that like cap is doing to that person I want to do that to someone. I want to make an impact on their life. And that this movie has inspired them to do that. And I don't think you can ever take that away from someone. Like, 
Yeah. I'm like, it, it, I think Kevin Smith tweeted something recently. He says, in a hundred, like, you know, we're, we're talking about all the stories of the Bible and stuff like that. He's like, can you imagine in a hundred years from now, there will be kids inspired by Cap wielding Mjolnir mm-hmm. in that scene? Yeah. Because he was pure of heart. It's just crazy. Like, it's. They, 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 they have, I mean, and even when they, so when they don't want to talk to the kids and they will now want to talk to the adults, you now get films, yeah, you now get films like Joker. Watchmen. Watchmen. These are films that are taught. A lot of people didn't, even you, you didn't know about the Oklahoma. No, no, no. You didn't know about that till you saw that film. So even though they are films that talk to kids, these ones actually open our eyes and be like, yo, did this really happen? You know, and there are these films that touch on real adult themes and all of that. Yeah. So they are. That's relevant. actually a really good segue to my next question. Oh. Uh, which is actually, what social and political aspects do you think these movies bring? Yeah, that's it. It's. I've, I've always said it that if society doesn't understand the topic, it's because there are not enough movies about it. You know, the picture of the black hole came out and it was on CNN. Everybody was talking about it. it do you think that would have been news if. Christopher Nolan didn't do Interstellar. Interstellar yeah. yeah, it was Interstellar that made people think, uh, oh, so there's this thing called black holes and people really stared. So the picture came out and everybody now stared watching Interstellar. So, you know, you can't deny that that movie, movies do play a part, you know. So, and you can't, it's not just science fiction movies, political movies, and now it applies to comic book movies. You look at Joker, I, that, that film... If you watch it and you take away the whole, you know, you watch it, this is a reflection of society. This is what happens when you bash people. How did he say, Joker, he said it well. What do you get when you take a person, a mentally ill person, a mentally ill person, you take away all his support, you bash him, you cross, you know, yeah, paraphrasing, but yeah, it's along those lines. Yeah, you bash people, you treat him like trash, you don't realize what it's like to be the other person, yeah, and suddenly it's going to erupt. And that's a real critique of society right now. That you know, you keep the rich keep getting richer, you know, the, the poor keep getting poorer, and you know, you keep making laws that make people poorer while you get richer. These things have happened before, and what happens is the lower it kind of erupts and society just goes to action. A revolution. Exactly, or something like that, you know. But So that was what, and we saw that in the Joker, and that was what that film was. It was was almost, uh, I look at it as almost a warning. Yeah. Like, we cannot create this monster. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if we continue the way we're going, we are going to create somebody like this. And we, no, the the truth is, we watch the news, all we hear, so, think about this if the joker happened in real life you know you're not going to hear these stories of his mom or his no you won't all you hear is a guy brought out a gun and shot a presenter on tv and that's how they presented so some of maybe some of these stories we're watching and we start hearing that it's the failing of the government this department didn't call this person and these people were negligent in this and i know this social his workers his mother lied to him for his whole life you don't know like all yeah, these yeah you yeah. know like i know social workers are trying their best but you know it's sort of like we need to work harder like there are vulnerable we need to people. do better yeah and that's what this film was doing and there are a lot of films like that you mm-hmm. know why well, also look at um uh, watchman mm. and uh, you know it, it completely painted this uh picture about racism and how and how especially racism in america uh, and they put this sort of alternative history spin to it. 
But you know, we're talking about the Oklahoma, you know, the um, uh, the Tulsa massacre. Mm. You know, I I never heard about that. And then you know, and listening to Damon Lindelof, he was saying that he never heard about that. And then when he when he first heard about that and he read the story, he was almost ashamed that he didn't know this history. He says, "Why is this being kept from us? Because it's not taught in schools or anything." And it's very much like the American government, you know, sweeping it under the rug, saying, "Don't worry about this. This never happened." And Watchmen uh, not only confronted that, but just in general, what the government does is hiding things. No, we need to confront these things. These things are real. These things happen mm -hmm. in this in this world. Yeah, and films do that. And I'm happy that. And films have always been doing that. But I'm just happy that comic book movies are getting in the game as well. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just. Well, making kids happy. Well, that's what I mean. I think because that these messages are in comic book movies, you're now opening this message to a wider audience than if you just did it on... Like, for example, if you had made the Joker, and instead of calling it Joker, you just called it Clown, nobody would have gone to see it. Yeah, like Brightburn. You know, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Brightburn is a Superman film, yeah. but nobody saw nobody it. Nobody saw it. Because it's called so If Brightburn. you called Joker Clown... And you didn't have anything related to about Batman, you know, Gotham. Gotham's not there. It's New York and stuff like that. Nobody would have gone to see it. Yes, exactly. No one. So the fact, so I'm happy that if you buy, because of the popularity of comic book movies, it's now making people aware of these political and social aspects in our lives. Very true. Very true. And, you know, like we're saying about Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman also, you know, it, it, it did it in a different way mm -hmm. it's just what Wonder, Wonder Woman, Woman is more of an inspiring way yeah, yeah it, you know it just and it's more like not the story itself it's also the story behind the film who made it how it was made and the thought process behind it at the time it happened so I do films they do they do change a lot of things subconsciously so many things that we think we learned in school we learned from movies and um, yeah, it's I'm crazy. happy to see that comic book yeah. movies are a lot. A lot of there. people. I mean, I live a lot of my life with you know just aspects of not just comic book movies, but like even we were talking about this. I used the phrase from The Mandalorian: "This is the way." Now mm -hmm. a lot, and that it, it's such a simple concept, but it's so powerful. And yeah. I think you can do that in any comic book movies, especially. Um, so we're talking about how, how they've changed politically and socially, but how has it changed Hollywood? These movies. I think it's changed them huge, crazy amounts. Like, I mean, the money they've made, and not the money they've made can fund Hollywood. Like, they've just kept Hollywood relevant for the next century, I believe. You know, if they play play the game properly, let this thing go out to the world. You know, open it up to all markets and all that. It's changed because everybody read comics. I don't know if people read comics now as much as they did then because then yeah. there were fewer media you know there was just your tv your radio your vcr so comics and, and books yeah and, and comics. books and comics so there were very few but now you've got netflix into, you know yeah, it's too into, much so there's too much so i don't think people read so because comic takes you sitting down and looking and flipping which is not what we're used to doing today so i don't think they're as popular as they were no they're not yeah. then but those people that had that legacy of the last generation that had the legacy of actually reading comics when comics were comics i think they've dropped a good foundation for the next generation to build on so some of the people that will be building um some of the people that will be working on these next films 
this next generation of Marvel films probably never owned an actual comic mm -hmm. because they were born. I mean, no, they I never, know, I you know, they you never mean, yeah. owned an original edition of an Iron Man. Yeah. How do I put this? Like the original, an original Stan Lee comic. They yeah, never yeah, I know, it, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. So unless they bought one, second unless they hand, bought yeah. second hand or yeah. a reprint yeah, or something, yeah. but so like I, you know, so but it's different. So they've laid a good foundation, and I think there will be comic book movies, and they'll still keep making money. They will, they will keep going as far as those branches keep being healthy, like. Now we're getting into these movies where it's no longer about the explosion. It's more, it's more, it's more grounded. Yeah, they're getting to that point. Yeah, yeah and um, so those will continue for a while. Then some there will be an outlier, and that will create its own branch. Something of, else will happen. Yeah, of course, yeah, it's so inevitable that a new branch will start to form. I mean, there were some movie genres that just stayed where they were, and that's why they don't make them anymore. Like you know, like TV, you know, like. A lot I can that that's taking us into a different topic, but there are a lot of TV formats or storytelling formats or genres of film that are not <coughs> excuse me that aren't, aren't relevant anymore. Mainly because they didn't evolve and when they didn't evolve and when the next generation came over, they were still telling stories that their dad watched and just how it faded away. But I think comic book movies are yeah, I think they're here to stay. Yeah. I think as well, in the way that it's changed the landscape of Hollywood, I think everything you said about the benefits of Hollywood, that's absolutely correct. But on the, the negative side, I also think it's had an impact that the studios feel that everything now has to be a universe and everything now has to be a franchise. Yeah. That's, I think, the negative aspects it's had. Um, and it's purely based on how much money these things made. Yeah, and it's feedback. It's, it's feedback it's what we want we are used to like um, when i watch a film on netflix uh, it, it jars me a bit when the film ends and that's the end because you think there's going to be yeah, something or, else yeah, yeah or now like when i watch a film i was telling you this um this film um the one i watched um, on netflix when it ended it actually ended story finished the story finished and whenever that happens these days it's unusual because these films never end there's always a post-credit scene or there's always something that happens in the end that tells you that we might continue the story in the future yeah you know so, and it's everywhere both in tv series and movies and everything so now when i watch a film like that one i watched and it ended i'm like whoa this is different there's no catch mm -hmm. You mean you've just told me a story and I can go away now and just go away? And yeah. yeah well, I, I feel like that with, I mean, we keep talking about them, but like movies like Joker and Watchmen the series. Yes, you could, you could do more, but it ended. Do you know what I mean? There was an ending to it. And, and that's, a, and I think it's shown, I think, I think the industry needs to understand that it's not easy to build a franchise and a universe. And honestly, I think the only ones who've done it successfully are Marvel. And Disney. Uh, Disney. Which is, which is mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, what I meant is Lucas. Yeah. Well, Star Lu Wars. Yeah, Lu Lucas and what he's done there. But I mean, like, in modern time. Like, you know, Universal, they tried to get the, the monster universe off the ground. It just flattened. Power Rangers, you know, um, Jurassic Park. Some of these fr are just flopping because it's just not working. Yeah, but even the success of Marvel... It's only because the original comics were written that way. They were written as a universe. Therefore, 
Feige, it's serialized storytelling. Exactly. So Feige was able to translate yeah. that. So, you know, so um, it's a it very... That's what I mean. It doesn't work for every franchise. Exactly. Like, you, you watch Breaking Bad, then they now make a Breaking Bad spin. It doesn't work like that. It's mm. not like the superhero thing. No. But... Um, okay, so... A couple of uh, last-minute uh, questions before we wrap up over here. There two more questions we got for you. So I think this is a big one, and it seems to be every time a comic book movie comes out, this topic always comes up. So uh, it's, it's quite funny that um, this is still happening, even though the, 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 these movies don't seem to be ending. But what are your thoughts on comic book movie fatigue? Do you think there's an element that some people say that people are getting sick of them or getting bored of them? Or do you think that's a thing? So <clears throat> I was among the people that felt we would get comic book fatigue. I, I When they stayed just churning out three, four, five every year, I was like, whoa, this... But somehow it hasn't happened. I, I, I don't know why. Normally it should have happened, but I think it's partly because just people the filmmakers have just been really creative um, they just tell it differently and part of it is this connected universe thing where from after the first one or two movies everybody became invested in it so it's sort of like a series even though we didn't it's know a, it's a cinematic TV show yeah it's a, even though exactly even though we didn't know it at the time we were actually watching a series so I think that was why it was you know that was successful yeah i think yeah i don't think the comic book fatigue is gonna be slowing down anytime soon like i genuinely don't think it's gonna slow down and i think it's because we are if it stayed the same we would but i think it's because we're trying like you said we're trying different things we're trying things like the boys joker watchmen you know that uh, marvel now are going to move into tv they're going to tell longer form stories here that's going to be different for us. We're going to watch those stories and characters in a different way than we would in the movies. And I feel, but here's my fear about this second Marvel wave. Let's call it that. If they do try to repeat what they did the first time in the same way, I think it will flop. I agree. You I, know, that's why I think they will, they're going to try something different. Yeah, I, ho I really hope so because... If Star Wars has taught us anything, this past four movies, five movies has taught us anything, is that a big, no matter how big a franchise is, so what I mean in, in general is you can't just say because our first 11 movies were, 15 movies were good, therefore we follow the same format and the next 15 will be good. I just, it has to be different. It, it really has to be different. So when I saw the trailer of Black Widow, it looked very marvelly to me and so my, similar it looked very similar so this is probably a movie like we've said i think we said it on the show this is probably a movie that should have come out in the prequels yeah it should have so come out 10 years ago 10 years ago as one of those films that came out there's no reason why it's here right now unless there's a post-credit scene that opens something up we shall see but i'm just hoping and now they are telling the story of vision Who's supposed? Who's dead? Mm -hmm. And or is he? Or is he? <laughs> you know exactly. Or uh, okay, Wanda came back, but you know, I just hope it's the, there are things new they are telling us. If it's just taking us back in time, uh, might be a problem for them. And very soon, you just start seeing their profits flop, mm -hmm. and the universe they planned for fifteen years will just last four or five. That mm -hmm. can happen. Yeah. 
No, I totally agree. I think I agree with you. If they if they keep doing what they've been doing, like the same, then yes, they will lose interest. But I, I have hope in them. I think Kevin Feige is a smart guy. I think he knows where to take the franchise next. We've now they well they've now got the Fantastic Four and X Men. They can do a lot with them. So we'll see. I mean, I'm really I'm really happy with what DC is doing right now. I think they're on a really good path at the minute. What with um, you know Aquaman, Shazam, Joker, Birds of Prey, Wonder Woman's coming out. The Batman looks great so far from what we've seen. So yeah. So what do you think the future is for comic book movies? It's those branches are still gonna branch out. I think it's still still gonna be here. It's gonna be saturated. We're gonna see a lot more. Remember when I said making these films have become democratized now with the things like the boys, you don't even need to show show them having their superpowers. No, <laughs> now you don't. You just just show them wearing costumes, and it's in fact you don't even need to show them wearing costumes now with the Joker. So it's we will start to see, we will see a lot more comic book movies, a lot more. It's not slowing down. It's not slowing down. We'll see a lot more from the big names, big comic book names like Superman and all of that. But there will also be a lot of adaptations like Lock and Key and indie stuff, indie stuff as well. I think there will be more of the indie mm. as well. Yeah, I think the indie stuff to look forward to is on streaming, so platforms like Netflix and stuff. Yeah, and then you got the big blockbusters for the movie theaters. Yeah, but. But all of this depends on where we put our money. It does. If we don't pay for it, they will not make it. So. Exactly. I mean, look look at what's happening with Birds of Prey. It's getting back its money now, but it didn't have the start they maybe wanted to. It probably won't but then have again, a second one. But then look at Joker, so which is crazy. The film that should be having a sequel will probably not have one. And the one that should, should wouldn't. Yeah. Because of the money. Because of the so money. we'll have a Joker 2. And we'll not have a. And we shouldn't of, have a Joker. And we too. shouldn't <laughs> have a Joker too. And we'll have a Birds of Prey, and we won't have a jo- Birds of Prey too, even though I think we should. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Okay, Andy. So there it is. We are now the end of our comic book talk. Man, that was a long one. We definitely needed the time for that. Yeah, I mean, it's it really helped to connect the dots in the Marvel because I mean, just hearing it all, it just making the whole Marvel Disney those comics where which came before which you, you sort of begin to understand why and how we got here today so kudos to you on that research and where Thanks, can man. the lovely folks find you well you can find me on twitter and instagram at sweaty jake and where can the people find you Andy? you can find me at on twitter at at unduaj at nduaj and you can find Film 7 Podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Film 7 Podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode, guys. If you enjoyed this, check out all our other episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other streaming services. But until next week, guys, see you later.